If you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to go with me this morning to Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 20 through verse 10 through verse 20. Talking this morning on going down to Egypt. Going down to Egypt. Genesis 12. Genesis chapter 12. Beginning with verse number 10 to be on the screen. It's on your handout as well. Let's look. Beginning at verse number 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egypt Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. That simply means she was very beautiful. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commanded her, commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done to me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou, She is my sister, so I might have taken her to me to wife? Now therefore, behold, thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Father, today I'm asking for your help. I need your help. The people here today, Lord, don't need to hear what I have to say, but they need to hear from you. So I'm asking God for a supernatural touch to say the words that need to be spoken. I pray for clarity of thought, and I pray, God, for precision of speech, that I may speak the words that need to be spoken. And now I pray, God, that You prepare the hearts of the people to receive from Your Word today. And I pray that when we leave, we can leave changed and transformed, and we can leave saying that it's been good to be in Your house. And God, I know Your Word does not return void, so God, now have Your way in this place and work through Your Word and do what You want to do. And we will give You praise for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said... Amen. We have before us today what is probably the saddest event in the entire life of Abraham. We see him making a decision that will bring tremendous trouble into his life and to ours as well. Our text tells us that during a time of famine in Cain and Abram took his family and moved to the land of Egypt. Now in the Bible, Egypt is always presented to us as a picture and type of the world. So when Abram went down to Egypt, in a sense, he was going back to the world. In a time of crisis, in a time of testing, rather than trust God, he turned to the world. And if we would be honest this morning, there are times that we've all turned to the world. We've all turned to Egypt at some time or another. When we have faced crisis and when we have faced a testing of our faith, there have been times when we've all turned back to the world and all turned back to Egypt rather than trust God. In God. 
If you think about the children of Israel for a moment, even after God delivered them by His great power from Egyptian bondage, they still longed for what they had left behind in Egypt. When they come to the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his armies behind them, they said, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die in the wilderness? They got out there in the wilderness and there's not water and there's not enough to eat. They're complaining, said, hey, if we could just sit around the pots in Egypt like we used to. And they longed for the leeks and the onions. They longed for what they had back in Egypt. And if we be honest, there are times that we're like that. That no matter how God blesses us and no matter how we see His power at work in our lives, if we'll be honest, there's still a part of us at times that looks back to the world and even longs for what we used to have and longs for what we have left behind. So this morning as we look at Abraham and how he took his journey into Egypt, there are some truths and some lessons about the path he took to Egypt that we need to take notice of. Number one, I want you to notice this, going down to Egypt leads us away from God's will. Going down to Egypt leads us away from God's will and we see that in verse number 10. You see, the land of Canaan represented God's best for Abram. Canaan was where he was supposed to be. God had promised to bless Abraham in Canaan. And you see that back in verse number 2. Canaan was also the place of God's rest for Abram. Only there could he rest in the arms of providence and trust God to take care of him. You see, Canaan was the place that Abram was supposed to be. It was the will of God for his life. But by not seeking God for direction and leaving to go down to Egypt, he left the place of God's will. Hear me this morning. There's no better place to be than the place God wants you to be. The best place to be is where the Lord places you, even if it's difficult. You see, the best place you can be is to find out where God wants you to be and get there and stay there. You'll never find blessing and you'll never find joy and you'll never find peace and you'll never find fulfillment outside of the will of God. And so when Abraham decided, I'm going to leave Canaan and go down to Egypt, he left the place of his purpose. He left the place of provision. He left the place of blessing. He got outside of the will of God for his life. The best place we can be is to be where God wants us to be. I shared this last Sunday morning during Sunday school. One of the pet peeves I have is when I see pastors who every few years want to move from church to church. That they they always want to go somewhere else and they always say, God's leading me somewhere else. And here's the thing, how can you argue with, with that? How can you argue with God saying that God's moving them and God's taking them somewhere else? But here's the thing. How is it that God's always moving you every two years? How is it that God's always moving you every three years? And how is it that everywhere you go, you're always having the same problems everywhere you go? I know sometimes God changes the place of our assignment, but here's the thing. I think the best place you need to be is where God wants you to be, and you need to get there, and you need to get planted, and you need to stay there until your work's done, until God's finished with you, and until God moves you and directs you elsewhere. But when you decide to go down to Egypt, you leave the place where God has assigned you. And that's what Abraham did. The best place we can be is where God has placed us. And I find this illustrated so greatly in the life of Elijah. He knew about finding his place in life. Look at 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 4-9. through 9. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee 
what? There. If Elijah would have went anywhere else, you think the ravens would have showed up? Where were the ravens going to show up? There. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now notice verse 7. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in land. Yes, guess what? Sometimes the brook dries up. Sometimes the place that God sends you, it dries up and it's time to go somewhere else. Now notice verse 8. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell what? There. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman what? There to sustain thee. The best place you can be is to find your there. And get there and stay there. Amen? But Abram, he decided, I'm not going to stay in my there, which was Canaan. I'm going down to Egypt. And he left his there, and he left the will of God. And I believe there's some great lessons and applications that we can take away from this. First of all, we don't need to make hasty decisions regarding our current situations because when we become hasty, it can lead us from God's will and God's best from our life. In a time of testing, he didn't seek God. You'll notice in the text, he didn't pray. He didn't get on his knees and cry out to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? I believe if he would have sought God, God would have said, hey, you need to stay put and you need to trust me. But because of the time of testing, because he was looking for to, to comfort himself and because he was looking at his own flesh, he said, I'm going to go down to Egypt. And he got out of the will of God. Let me just say something to you. When you start looking to comfort your flesh, you're going to get out of the will of God. When you start walking in the flesh rather than the Spirit, you're bound to get out of the will of God. And that's what Abraham did. He made a fleshly decision. We're in a famine. I need to provide for myself and my family. And listen, any good father... Any good man, that's what he wants to do. But you better make sure you seek God first. Because if you aren't careful, you'll go down to Egypt and you'll get out of where God wants you to be. Amen? You see, we should always consult God regarding any decision that we need to make. Abram got into trouble because he didn't seek God and he left the center of God's will because he failed to pray. Amen? He failed to pray. Going down to Egypt leads us away from God's will. But secondly, going down to Egypt leads us into compromise. Going down to Egypt leads us into compromise. And we see this in verses 11 through 13. In verse 10, Abraham went down to Egypt and as a result it led to compromise. You see, when a believer leaves Canaan, the place of victory and blessing to go to Egypt, the world, it always leads him down spiritually. It always leads to compromise. It always will have an effect on us spiritually. When you leave Canaan and go to Egypt, you're going to drift. There's no way around it. You see, you can't go back to the world and then not have an effect and an influence on you spiritually. You can't rebel against God and it not take you downward. Jonah's a great example. 
God told Jonah, go preach to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah said, I'm not going to do it. And he fled to Tarshish to try to get away from the presence of God. And the Bible says he went down to Tarshish. Read your Bible. It's very specific and very plain. He went down to Tarshish. And the Bible says he went down into the bottom of the ship. And then he went down into the sea, into the belly of a whale. When you rebel against God, you always go down. Because God won't let you sin successfully. Because when you go to Egypt, you always go down. This might not be shouting preaching this morning, but I'm preaching better than you, amen. Anytime we sin against God or go our own way, it always leads down. That's what took place with Abraham. James Montgomery Boyce, in his commentary, he said this, Abraham left Bethel, his place of worship, and he did not get back to Bethel until he was expelled from Egypt. Bethel, meaning house of God, was Abram's last recorded residence before his going to Egypt. And we're told it was there that Abraham had built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. You see that in verse 8. Perhaps in leaving Bethel, Abram left his place of worship since Scripture does not record him worshiping again until he returns. End of quote. And I'm going to save in chapter 13 till next week and talk about the return to the place of worship, to the place of Bethel. And so if Boyce is correct in his suggestion, Abraham lost his spiritual vitality. He had begun to dry up spiritually. He began to drift spiritually. What once would have been a clear case of right and wrong had now become muddy. Notice in the text that Abraham, as he begins to approach Egypt, he comes up with a scheme. He comes up with a plot to save his own life. He was afraid that the Egyptians would kill him in order to save his wife. And so these concerns alone should have prompted him to reevaluate his plans. These concerns should have prompted him to turn back to Canaan. But instead, he pressed on in his disobedience. Look at verse 13 again. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Here's what they were going to do. When they were questioned about the relationship, they were going to tell everybody, hey, she's my sister. And guess what? That was partially true. She was his half-sister. They had the same father, but a different mother. But here's the point. Abraham was willing to jeopardize the safety of his wife in order to continue on his path of disobedience. He was willing to compromise his integrity to spare his life. But here's what's more serious. He was willing to compromise his walk with God in order to avoid the famine in Canaan. Some lessons here. First, God's never pleased when we lie, even if it's a small lie. Because there is no such thing as a justified lie or a little white lie. Lying is lying in God's eyes. Amen. Secondly, the minute you begin to move away from the place where God has control of your life, your old self will come to the surface and you'll stoop to falsehood, hypocrisy, and deceit. In other words, when you aren't walking in the Spirit, you walk according to the flesh. The minute you start going down to Egypt, I've already talked about it briefly, you start walking in the flesh. The minute you start going back towards the world, you stop walking in the Spirit and you start walking in the flesh. 
Third, our sin and disobedience rarely affects us alone. Most of the time, our sin will have implications in the lives of others, especially those closest to us. The outcome of Abraham's life was that Sarah was put into the place of real danger. The king claimed her for his harem, and the lie Abraham told opened the door for him to take her. He could have really lost his wife and could have lost his life. He wasn't just sinning in a bubble. He wasn't just sinning in isolation. It affected her. But not only was she endangered, Lot was endangered. Abraham's nephew Lot went to Egypt with him. You see, later on when the allurements and enticements of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah cast their spell over Lot, we're told that he saw the land and how luscious and beautiful it was. And the Bible says that he chose to separate from Abraham and he went and he pitched his tent toward Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible tells us that he vexed his, vexed his righteous soul daily. And when the angels came to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, they had to drag Lot and his family out. And and the Bible says this, his wife looked back and was turned to a pillar of salt. That's all because of Abraham's disobedience. Had he never left the land of Canaan and gone down to Egypt, Lot and his family would have never ended up in Sodom and You may sit here today thinking, hey, what I do, it's my business and nobody else being hurt by it. That's fooey. That's nonsense. What you're doing is hurting you and your family and generations to come. Your loved ones are being hurt because you've gone back to Egypt. I want to say to you today, if you find yourself compromising or slipping back into things you once walked away from, you've gone back to Egypt. And today you need to leave Egypt and you need to come back to God. If if you're making decisions today that you once walked away from and you've picked up things that you once laid down, you're back in Egypt. There's no other way around it. You're back in Egypt. Today you need to come back to God. But thirdly, going down to Egypt leads to consequences. It has consequences. I've done said this, but God doesn't let us go down to Egypt and get away with it. You see, departing from the Lord, going back to Egypt will always have consequences. As they began to encounter Egyptians on this rebellious journey, Abraham's worst fears became reality. Sarah was immediately noticed by the Egyptians and they were interested in her and immediately she was taken to Pharaoh's house. You see, even though they had devised a plan on how to deal with this, this created difficulty for him. He never expected Pharaoh to take notice of his wife. Now here's why this was so dangerous. By saying that he was her brother, it allowed him to negotiate with whomever tried to marry her. You see, without the father being present, the oldest brother had the right of negotiation. And so this negotiation process would have given him time to plan an escape route. And so any regular Egyptian can negotiate with Abraham, but here's the thing. Pharaoh steps in and notices her and takes him, and Pharaoh doesn't have to negotiate. Pharaoh's the highest ranking person of that day. He's king, he's considered a god, and he doesn't have to negotiate with Abraham. And so now, Abraham's in trouble. This was disastrous. 
Here's why. God told Abraham what? You're going to be the father of many nations. And so the seed that would be a blessing to all people, it's now in danger. And Abraham's now got to think, what am I going to do? That's the consequences of going down to Egypt. Here's the lesson source. You can't travel a path contrary to God's will and expect our journey to go smoothly. God will now not allow us to get away with our disobedience. Listen, I know God is loving, God is gracious, God is compassionate, but God will not allow you to sin and be successful at it. Amen. There will be consequences for our actions. There will be consequences for our sin. There will be consequences for the choices that we make. Yes, there is forgiveness and yes, there is mercy, but you still got to live with the consequences of what you do. Look at verse 16 to 20 again. And he treated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen, and he asses and men servants and maid servants, and she asses. Let me just say here this is the King James Bible. That's male donkeys and female donkeys, if you don't know. Your pastor's not cussing. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house and with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done to me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Let me just pause here. Notice that Pharaoh's got more integrity than Abraham does. The pagan man's got more integrity than God's man does. That's bad when the world's got more integrity than the Christian does. Why saidest thou, she is my sister, so I might have taken her to meet a wife? Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Abram was made very rich. And you might say, man, it paid for him to go down to Egypt. But here's the thing. It turns out that this money and this wealth that he got, it was more of a curse than a blessing. Because in the next chapter, him and Lot have to split. Because of what he gets. Here in Egypt. He's given sheep, oxen, male and female donkeys, men servants, maid servants. Genesis 13, they get back to Canaan. Next thing you know, there's conflict between his servants and Lot's servants and they have to go their own way. They're given maid servants. Guess what? who one of those maid servants were? Hagar. Who comes from Hagar? Ishmael. Who comes from Ishmael? The Arab nations. Who's been a thorn in the side of Israel? The Arab nations that came from Ishmael. Can you see why this has all been a problem, him going down to Egypt? And people say the Bible's not relevant. We're still dealing with it today. People in Israel are still dealing with it today because he went down to Egypt. Price of living in Egypt is a terrible price. That's not all. Not only you got Ishmael and the Arab nations. Abram became a curse to the lost people with whom he lived. He was called to be a blessing, but when he got to Egypt, instead of being a blessing, he became a curse. God sent judgment to them because he was disobedient. 
He was supposed to be a blessing to people and because He's out of the will of God, God sent judgment. I don't understand it. I don't, can't figure it all out. But God sent judgment because He went down to Egypt. Here's what I want to say. A Christian out of fellowship with Christ is of no help to lost people around Him. Rather, you're a hindrance. Let me give you some lessons this morning. First of all, sin brings plenty of short-term rewards, but it never lasts. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but it's only a season. Amen. He may have found some temporary relief while in Egypt. He may have escaped the famine for a while, but he paid for it. He paid for it. Did he not? He paid for it. Secondly, what we think are the world's best blessings often becomes life's greatest burdens. That, that, that thing that you think when you get it's going to be the answer to all your problems, sometimes the biggest burden that you get. Third, when a believer goes to Egypt, spiritually it causes others to fall away or stay away from Jesus Christ. Abram should have been a light in a dark place, but instead he lost his testimony. Hear what I'm about to say. Lost people never forget a ruined testimony. They may never forget your good work. They may never remember your good works, but they'll never forget your failures. Let me just illustrate it this way. What gets more airtime, Peter's preaching at Pentecost or his denial of Jesus? What do people remember most? Let me ask you this. What do most people remember more about David? His adultery? Or how he brought the ark back to Jerusalem? Is adultery. People's going to remember your failures more than how good you did. Listen, going to Egypt, it's not worth it. Going back for some temporary pleasure, it's not worth the price you'll have to pay. It'll cost you more than you think it will. I feel His presence this morning. I want to tell somebody, I want to warn somebody this morning, if you're in Egypt or you're, you're, you're thinking about going back to Egypt, listen, it's going to cost you more than you think it will. And here's the thing, if you think you can go back and stay for a little while and, and come back to God, listen, God's grace is sufficient, God's grace is enough to bring you back from it, but here's the thing, you'll end up staying longer than you think you intend to stay if you go back. Because once you're in the grip of Egypt, it'll be difficult to ever find your way out of it. See, when we walk out of Canaan into Egypt, we can't be what God's called us to be. Abraham couldn't be the blessing God had called him to be because he went down to Egypt. You see, it's always a tragedy when believers leave the world worse off than it was when they found it. And I didn't mention this, but let me mention it again. The longer one remains in Egypt indulging the flesh, the more complicated the situation becomes and the more difficult it can become to leave. The longer you stay there, the more difficult it becomes to find your way back to God. 
But I do want to leave on a, on a high note. Number four, going down to Egypt doesn't mean it's over for you. Going down to Egypt doesn't mean it's over. Look again at verse number 17. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Even though Abraham was unfaithful, God was still faithful. Abraham had to pay for his sins and there were consequences for what he did. I've done mentioned some briefly, but let me run through it again. He nearly lost his wife. The wealthy gain wasn't a curse. It, was, it wasn't a blessing. It was a curse. His propensity to lie was passed down to his son Isaac who lied about his wife in Genesis 26. His grandson Jacob was a trickster and a swindler and a deceiver. He passed it on. Ten of Jacob's sons sold his son Joseph into slavery and lied about it for years. Just further consequences of Abraham's sins. But despite his disobedience, despite him going down to Egypt, God's grace shows up. Verse 17 tells us that while Pharaoh was in Pharaoh's harem, God afflicts everyone in Pharaoh's household. What was God doing? God was fulfilling His promise to Abraham. Because here's the thing, God is not a man that He should lie. In fact, here's the thing, the Bible tells us, because God could swear by no, no one else, He swore by Him. And so if God swears by Himself, He has to make it good. Even though the man is in deliberate rebellion and disobedience and has gone down to Egypt and done some things that he ought not to do, God still has to make His Word good and still has to be gracious. God told him, I'm going to bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And so God was cursing Pharaoh for taking Abraham's life. Even though Abraham was the one that had sinned, God's grace was still abundant. You might say, preacher, how do you explain it? He's God. Let me give you this verse of Scripture, 2 Timothy 2.13. Even if we believe not, He abides faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Some translations read it this way. If we are unfaithful, He abides faithful. He can't deny Himself. He can't deny what He promised. Even though Abraham wasn't walking in faith, and even though he was suffering the consequences of his own sin, God gave him grace. God defended him. God fought his battles. What's the lesson? What's the takeaway? God doesn't give up on us just because we fail. God doesn't give up on us just because we go back to Egypt. Amen? Yes, it might be difficult for us to find our way back, but here's the thing. God's still there, and God's still calling, and God's still being gracious, and God is there waiting on us, and God's there drawing us, and God's still there to reach out to us because it's not over. I think about the prodigal son for a moment that when he went out there and wasted his, 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 all of his wealth and all of his money with riotous living, the father was still there waiting and looking. And the Bible says that when the son was still a long way off, the father ran to him 
and put his arms around him and hugged him and kissed him on the neck and brought him a robe and put sandals on his feet and put a ring on his finger and threw a party. You might be here today and you've you've gone back to Egypt. It's not over for you. Because God's grace is still sufficient to bring you back out of it. Amen. Because if we could be honest this morning and if we could have time to pass the microphone around, there's probably been some people that here during your time of walking with God, some of you at times have probably strayed back into Egypt and God's brought you back out. Amen. I want to close this morning and I simply want to ask you, where is your tent tent pitched this morning? Are you camping in Canaan, firmly fixed in the land of blessing, victory, and testimony? Or have you gone down to Egypt? You see, all it takes to get to Egypt is a little compromise here and there before you know it. You're far away from God. All it takes. Just a little compromise. Just beginning to pick things up that you once laid down. And you find yourself drifting from God. That's all it takes. Neglecting your walk with Him. And you begin to drift. See, here's the thing. Nobody intends to drift. Nobody ever intends to really go back to Egypt. But if you don't watch yourself, you'll find yourself there. And you'll wonder, how did I ever get here? In fact, here's the thing. There's a lot of people who come to church week after week after week who sing the songs. But in your heart, you're already in Egypt. Oh yeah, you come here every week, put your money in the offering plate. But in your heart, you're already in Egypt. You hadn't gone out and done what your heart's telling you to do, but in your heart, you're already there. And given the opportunity... You'll be there physically. Because it all starts in there. Jesus tells us that if we're angry, without cause, it's as though we've already murdered. That if we look with lust, it's as though we've already committed adultery. In Egypt, some of us, our heart's already there. And today, Time to renew our commitment to Him. Maybe some of you physically, you've already gone back there. Some of you, things you said you'd never do again, you started doing again. And today you need to break away from it again. And you say, Pastor, I can't stop. God's grace is sufficient. Grace is sufficient. Because it's never been your strength anyways to help you lay it down. It's always been His. And it'll never be your strength, it'll never be your willpower to lay it down. It's His. 
So I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to close with a song. And as we do...